Welcome to another edition of the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm filling in for a more able host, Justin Williams, so you'll have to put up with me trying to do this stuff. Um, he had a nice readout at the beginning, so I'm trying to remember it as best I can. Uh, this is the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Carter, joined by my uh, fellow worker at the Wolfpacker, Ethan McDowell. Um, we'll be breaking down the Louisville game here in just a second. But first, some uh, reminders to please rate, review, and subscribe, and like, and all of that stuff. This podcast, you can get it on wherever you download your podcast. Plus, you can also um, watch it on YouTube. So uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've been trying to get that up to 2,000 subscribers. We're getting closer and closer. Uh, leave a comment if you want. Uh, apparently, that helps us out. Don't ask me why or how, but it does. So leave a, leave a comment there. Reminder on the Wolfpacker.com. Look, it's going to be really busy here in a few weeks. And um, Ethan is our ace recruiting guy. He's going to be like, you know, he's going to say goodbye to his family after Thanksgiving. He's going to spend some time with his family at Thanksgiving. He's going to say goodbye to them. He'll see them in January at some point. Um, we got a lot of big decisions coming up, a lot of transfer portal news coming up. Uh, it's going to be a really busy December. So go ahead and subscribe now to the Wolfpacker.com if you haven't already. We've got a lot of subscribers on the site. We're very thankful for that. But join the group. And um, just 10 bucks right now. It's a special for $10. It'll take you all the way to the beginning of next football season or the start of next football season. So uh, you'll be clued in on all of what's going to happen in December if you do that. So sign up for that. And last but not least, we got a sponsor. We're very proud of our partnership with RogueShop.com, which is the best place to get all of your cannabis needs. If you have some anxiety or maybe you're having trouble sleeping um, or you're having trouble dealing with some pain, you know, chronic pain type issues, these are good products for you that are natural and safe. And it is a uh, kind of a mom and pop operation, which we're very proud to support. The uh, husband and wife team, the husband's a former veteran who uh, personally subscribed to the benefits of uh, the products that he sells because he, he's been using them himself and it really helped him with some of his, uh, some of his needs. And so check them out, roadshop.com. Um, they have a chat feature there so you can ask questions there. They're also on our message board with your subscriber. We've had a couple of people ask them some questions about their products. So be sure to check that out. So I did that in all under three minutes. I'm proud of myself, Ethan. Let's jump right to the game. Um, I guess we can talk about it. We'll talk about it in depth, but I'm curious, Ethan, your overall thoughts. Big picture. I mean, I personally wasn't that surprised with what I saw. Um, especially when MJ Morris didn't play. So that was kind of what my column is. What else would you have expected? What you know, we got to be realistic here. There's a harsh reality about what you can expect. So, Ethan, what was your thoughts as you kind of watched that game? I mean, Matt, I'm completely with you. I mean, I think it went just about how everyone expected. Um, when you are having to put in a quarterback who has spent most of the season on scout team, um, on an offense that was already, I think, performing below expectations of all Wolfpack fans, and you're missing um, Grant Gibson, and you're missing Demi Sumo Kongbe, and you're missing Devin Carter and Trent Penix. 
nothing good's gonna happen on offense it, it, it was um misguided to expect there to be the offense that kind of showed glimpses with mj morris under center um it was exactly what um you expected and finley showed some flashes but um that's probably all you're gonna get if, if he's playing out the rest of the season it's gonna be flashes and a lot of um throws where you're kind of um cringing and going oh no mm-hmm. but um I mean, the defense, I, I wrote about it. They did what they could. They like This defense has been amazing all season. I know some people have um, been, kind of lowered their opinions on it. I think they're still an elite group. But um, it's hard when you're not put in positions to succeed by the offense over and over again, week in and week out, and um, forced to be on the field for so many snaps and so much time, and especially against a um, – team that can run the ball as effectively as Louisville. Um, it kind of just showed up in the second half. They kind of wore NC State down, and um, they were able to pick up some chunk yards that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, injuries caught up to them, and um, we'll see if they can get a little healthier before next week. Yeah, yeah I agree. And that enter the cold weather. Uh, we were talking yeah. beforehand. I think Tanner Ingles said he couldn't feel his toes. After, after the game, and apparently that was one of the coldest games. And it was windy, uh, which did play in a, a, a role in the game because you're already kind of – you're limited offensively, both in talent, skill, execution, whatever, plus personnel because of injuries. And then with the wind, you almost get at, you added another handicap for half the game, what you could do. And um, – yeah, I agree with you. I thought when Malik Cunningham was announced out of the game, I felt like that gave NC State a chance. I didn't think they really had mm-hmm. a realistic chance if Malik Cunningham played. I'm with you. But with him out of the game, it really, the game kind of turned on. They had to play a good game on special teams with Dave Doyne preached all week. And there was a bad breakdown on a kickoff that should probably have never had happened. The guy misplayed the hop on it, went back and, and retrieved it at like the two-yard line. I mean, that's a play where you have to get the guy down inside the 15-yard line on that play. And there was a breakdown and kickoff coverage, which was very unusual. This has been a great special teams unit all year, not just Christopher Dunn. Across the board, they've been a really good special teams unit this year. And they just had an, a costly breakdown. And I also thought Louisville pinned NC State two or three times in like the four or five-yard line. Well, I guess one yeah. time they took it back and put it at the 13. But Louisville was winning field position battle. And I think Louisville winning the special teams, you know, kind of gave uh, them the upper upper hand. And then I'm curious what you thought, Ethan. Fourth and one at the 45-yard line, your, da- your own 45 Couple minutes into the fourth quarter, it's still just sixteen to ten, and you you showed a little bit of promise in the third quarter with Ben Finley moving the football. Your take? Should you have gone for it there, and or the other option would have been to punt it? You had to win to your back. Theoretically, you could have pinned Louisville deep. Your defense, um, I believe. All but shut down Louisville. I think Louisville had what three points in the third quarter, something like so, that. Yeah, yeah. You go that route, or do you 
go for it. And if you go for it, what did you think of the, the play call, which was a, for those who didn't see it, Ben Finley lined up, and apparently a lot of people didn't see it because I guess it's on RSN and all the cord cutters of the world can't watch RSN. But uh, Ben Finley's under, under center decided they tossed it out to the right with Michael Allen. He ended up getting tripped from behind. I have my own thoughts about the run in particular, but uh, I'm curious what Ethan, what you thought. First, the decision to go for it, and then play call and execution. I think um, 90% of the time, if you ask me if you should go for it, my answer is usually going to be yes. I'm a big proponent of it. If it's fourth and short, try to get the first down and see what happens. But to have that level of confidence and to be able to go for that, you have to be confident enough in your offensive personnel to run it up the middle, some play up the middle there, in my opinion. Um, and if you don't have the personnel to do that right now, which I understand with all the injuries and everyone that NC State's missing, then I feel like you have to punt it. Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident. Um, I don't want to speak for Doran or Tim Beck, but um, if Gibson was in, if we had Demi Sumo there, maybe that's just a run up the middle. Or if MJ Morris is in there, maybe it's a QB sneak. But um, they felt like that was the best play given the personnel we had on the field. And, um, I mean, it didn't go well. And when you have your third-string true freshman running back who then misses the correct lane on that run when he probably could have picked up the um, first down if he um, bounced, I think it was to the inside. I think there was a bit of an opening. But um, – it, it was a tough play, and it was the back-breaking play of the game. Um, I don't think it was, like, a t terrible call to go for it, and I don't even think the pitch in that situation is, like, an unforgivable mistake. But um, if, you, uh, if you're not confident enough in your team to pick up one yard running up the middle there, I, I'm probably just punting the ball. I kind of – I'm torn about it because I'm like, you. Yeah, I think, you know, last week a lot of people were like, oh, they should have kicked a field goal on fourth and goal from the one. And I'm like, no, they shouldn't. I mean, just go for it. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, where they were on the field is kind of – you're on your side of the 50. I was a little more hesitant this time. I loved the aggressiveness. I loved the let's go, let's go get it now. But I also think that that would have been a good position where field – trying to play field position might have worked in your advantage. Mm -hmm. You know, you pin them deep, you get it back on a three and out, which is a very highly possible scenario. And then you get the ball back because they're punting into the wind. You could theoretically get the ball back at midfield and right back in the position you were without worrying about having to get it on first down. And then my other thing too is, yeah, Ben Finley showed a little bit of promise in the third quarter, but – what to guarantee, even if you get the first down, that you're going to keep moving the football down the field there. Um, so, I don't know. I was a little hesitant. I actually like the play call because I think, and Dorn alluded to it earlier, they barely got a Jack Chambers QB sneak on third and one. Mm -hmm. And that may have even been a favorable spot by the official to get that first down. I think Michael Allen just kind of learned a true freshman mistake. As you mentioned, may, may have missed the lane. Also, he's got to go. When you're in that situation, you gotta, you got to go. You put your foot in the ground and you go full speed, and he's got all that speed. He ended up being tripped from behind, I think, because he wasn't necessarily running full speed. I didn't feel like. I think he was trying to be patient, wait for the blocker to develop. 
And that's one of those where you have to kind of kick in and go and just lower your shoulder. You only need a couple inches in that situation. I did think the ball spotted on the previous play was kind of iffy. Too. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I thought he had a first down on the previous run. Yep. And I was a little surprised they didn't review it. So, um, Ben Finley, what do you think? Yeah, it, it, it pretty, pretty clear to me he's got to be the guy against Chapel Hill if you can't go with MJ Morris. But uh, I also think he got a little bit fortunate. There were probably about three or four throws that could have been easy interceptions. Um, what did what did you think? There were like I think at least two to three throws where our wide receivers had to turn into DBs for a split second and break up some passes. But um, honestly, he played a little bit above my expectations for him. Um, he had a couple of throws. He had one to Daryl Jones across the field that um was honestly an incredible <laughs> throw. But um. And he showed flashes, and I, I agree. Like, he needs to be the guy moving forward for UNC because they're going to have to throw the ball against UNC to keep pace with that offense. But, um, I mean, he made questionable mistakes, but um, he didn't throw, throw an interception until the final play of the game, which was just a desperation heave to the end zone. Um, so if he can minimize a couple of those questionable throws and um, maybe NC State gets back, a Devin Carter next week or um, someone else to help out the offense a little bit. Maybe um, maybe they can put together a better offensive product than what was shown on the field um, yesterday. But I think he's fine, and I think it's about what um, you'd expect from a scout team quarterback for the rest of the year. And it's unfortunate it's come to that, but um, I think he did a pretty good job stepping up when he needed to. Yeah, I thought it clearly gives – you know, the, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence on Jack Chambers' part, but he was missing receivers. Yeah. And quite frankly, some of them weren't really that close. And they were open guys that were – you know, those are tosses. Those are throws you have to make if you're going to be a starting quarterback in the ACC. And you know, I just don't think a defense – they're just going to sell out against the QB run game and the running game in general and, and make Chambers have to – throw mm-hmm. the football to beat you. So, uh, I don't think that's a recipe for this offense, which we mentioned. You know, some people kind of – I probably had a bad headline on my column because I noticed some people on Twitter took some shots at the uh, – head. I wasn't trying to I, – I think I said something like, and with shorthanded offense, NC State faces long odds. And the, the point of the column was, if we're already a below-average offense, why that was the case – even with Devin Leary, it was a below-average offense. Why that was the case, that's for Dave Dorn to figure out. That's going to take a long – I mean, that's – when he sits down and, and does his uh, analysis of this season, I would assume that's question number one, offense. What happened? You know, and what do we need to do? How do we fix this? But when you're taking a below-average offense and you're taking away – the top two quarterbacks. You're taking away the guy that was your leading runner for the first half of the year. You're taking away the guy that was probably your, sec- your second most productive receiver on the roster. You're taking away the guy that was a matchup nightmare tight end. And you're taking away the heart and soul of your offensive line, who, by the way, was playing at an all-ACC level. I mean, yep. so 
I have a vote this year on the All-ACC team. So I'm very likely to put Grant Gibson on that All-ACC team. So um, when you have below average offense and you take away that from a below average offense, mm-hmm. you really can only do so much, which is why I think you have to go with Finley and just you're going to have to tolerate the the occasional head scratching, you know, moment because he, he, he does not hesitate to, to throw the football. Um, and even the touchdown throw to Michael Allen, I'm kind of, he was kind of fortunate that their DB yeah. didn't, didn't get there, uh, two of them. They, they were all over that play. They just didn't, just didn't knock it down. It ought to be interesting too. I think Louisville, I, I, I saw a quote from Scott Satterfield where they did not prepare for Ben Finley at all. And since they were dramatically different quarterbacks, um, they had that caveat of they, they they were blind out there trying to defend what was Ben Finley going to do. Now Carolina will have a little bit of a a book on on Ben Finley. So how did that change things? Now let's let's look a little bit. Let's say Ben Finley's your guy. We talked about expectation. Let's say none of these people come back. None of the injured guys come back. What would be realistic to expect from the NC State offense against a bad Carolina defense? They hadn't played a whole lot of bad defenses this year, I will say. Mm-hmm. It's been a steady diet of good to solid defenses. Maybe Wake Forest might be the one defense that I would say is kind of on the iffy side. So what do you would say, seeing what you saw yesterday from Ben Finley against Louisville? And, and let's say the weather is fine. No, no issues with the weather. What, what do you think could be expected against UNC? I think it would be less about Ben Finley and more about the running backs against UNC because UNC has given up some chunk plays in the running game. And if, if you put together some um, long drives, you can really wear them down, really put up some points running the ball. I think Jordan Houston would have to have more than eight carries, like I believe he did against Louisville. Um, maybe getting him really involved in um, the screen game because we've seen how effective he can be catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Um, you're going to have to just put Finley in um, spots to succeed, which isn't going to be, you know, asking him to throw um, like 20-yard post patterns probably. It's going to be more like um, finding um, Julian Gray on a slant and um, trying to see if, if he can make something happen after the catch like he did against Louisville. Um, I – I think, uh, like you said, um, now the team that UNC will have time to prepare for Finley, I think there will be less of um, those throws that were almost picked off will probably turn into interceptions. I don't think he will be able to get away with as many throws against UNC. Um, Now that they'll kind of have a little bit of scouting report, and they already did because his only um, other career touchdown throw was against UNC, funny enough. so that'll be interesting to um, watch, but I think it'll come down to the ground game, you know, for many reasons to keep Drake May and the UNC offense off the field. And um, it's definitely their best shot if they can get, I don't know, like 12, 14 carries between Houston and Allen, get that for each of them and see what they can do. Um, and then it's going to be short passes. If, if, if they – 
if the like we've seen against Syracuse is probably the best example where those penalties pile up and they're in second and third and longs and um, they're forced to throw the ball downfield. I, I don't have much optimism at all for um, <laughs> what that offense could look like. Yeah. Big picture wise, how would you what do you think of this season so far? I guess I mean, I don't know how else to ask the question. I'll lead the way. I mean, I look, this has been a disappointing year because of the expectations. We talked about having to recalibrate expectations a little bit midway through. Um, how much would be riding on the UNC game? Like, I think a win over UNC, getting to eight and four, four and four in the ACC, still disappointing, but it would take a little bit of the steam off of it. Um, I think they've been a little bit unlucky this year. I think the disappointment on the offense is a very fair criticism and something that has to be addressed in the offseason. I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how to – obviously, the season's been a bit of a disappointment. I don't think that anybody's more disappointed than those players and coaches, by Mm -hmm. the way. But I don't know. I'm kind of curious what you think kind of rides on this UNC game. Could it – does it win – take the sting off of it a little bit or they, conversely there's a loss turn it into really i hate to use the word bust of a season but for the lack of a better way of saying it a bust i think um i've always viewed that like seven eight win um range is kind of like the pivot point for a season right. um seven wins um on any other team or any other season like that's a fine season for this team it wouldn't be i mean with the sky high expectations they came into the year with um even with all the injuries i mean you can look back on it um this team early in the season picked up a couple wins that um i mean of course the ecu win and then virginia tech florida state especially um those all could have gone the other way and um i think if they were able to beat UNC, get to eight and four, that's um. If I've learned anything from my um, seven months in Raleigh now, um, that this game matters. It matters a lot. Um, I don't know if I've ever been around a rivalry where the fans care as much about um a rivalry, which is really exciting. Um, and I'm sure the players are going to be um. Very like motivation's not going to be an issue this week, um, if they were playing um. Duke, maybe it would be. It's not going to be an issue against UNC. They're, um, Tanner Engel was talking about it in the press conference. They're going to be ready. And um, I think for um, – I'm, I'm sure we'll hear from Coach Doran this week talk about it. I'm sure we'll hear from the players. They care a lot about this game. Um, and um, I feel like it would be a bit of a um, morale boost if they could kind of knock um, UNC off the perch they've been on all season and um, – send them into the ACC championship game with a two-game losing streak. Yeah, here's my hot take. I think the Georgia Tech loss is actually for UNC. For those who didn't know, uh, Carolina lost to Georgia Tech. I think they were up. I didn't tune in until second half, but at that, I think they were up 17 nothing. They were, and Georgia Tech scored 21. Yeah, on that yep. point. Um, you know, I actually think that might actually help NC State. I know sometimes you know, people say you don't want to play a team after a loss, and I'm sure you don't want to. My one caveat is Drake may, you know, looked off 
in the second half. Wasn't help. Josh down, dropped a touchdown pass that probably wins the game for UNC. But um, he just didn't look like the typical Drake May. He wasn't moving around like Drake May normally moved around, uh, which is kind of the, what people probably don't appreciate about Drake May. He's an excellent running quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um but sometimes a team that have been running, and they have been running a ridiculous role of good fortune this year, about as much as you had ever seen. For, and I'm not saying that as somebody who runs an NC State side. It's just a fact. I mean, Appalachian State, very fortunate that that game turned out the way it did. Miami missing field goals and interception opportunities in the end zone. Duke with the two penalties, none of, if one of them didn't happen, they win that game. Wake Forest turned it over on downs. If they don't come up a yard short there, uh, and Sam Hartman had a first down, if he had just thrown the football and rather than running it, Wake Forest probably goes up eight points there and wins, and, and they're probably winning the game. I mean, it's just a lot of good forcing on you, not to mention the schedule turned out how the schedule turned out for them. Even with NC State, they got the good fortune of in playing NC State severely shorthanded on offense. Um, and sometimes when your good fortune runs out, it goes the other way a little bit for you, right? The law of averages start to come back. And I kind of wonder if, the, if my, I have a sneaky feeling that them losing to Georgia Tech could be a good thing uh, for NC State. It, it takes a little bit out of the air out of the balloon of, oh, could we even conceivably sneak into the college football playoff picture if everything mm-hmm. happened? Right. You know, all of that kind of out the window. And, and I saw some people on Twitter last night, some national people saying, yeah, UNC is what we thought they were. They're not as good as their record indicates. Um, that's kind of my hot take. I actually think them losing to Georgia Tech might be a little bit of a good thing for NC State going in. And they could use every good thing. NC State going to need every good thing. As you mentioned, I thought they could beat – I didn't pick them to beat Louisville. I thought they could beat them in a scenario where it was 17-13 without Malik Cunningham. Mm-hmm. You're not beating UNC 17-13. to um, And, it, you know, Georgia Tech was the first team to hold them under 20 points, I'm sure, all year. I, they did get after Drake May, and I wonder if there's a little bit of a recipe for there where the teams that really get after him and just blitz the heck out of him. That that might be a little bit of a recipe to hold him in check. But I don't know if you saw the game, but how do you take my hot take there? Them losing to Georgia Tech was a good thing for NC State. I think I can see it both ways, but um, I think I'm kind of leaning against that take just because um, – now the coaching staff gets a week to basically yell at UNC that see um, you're not as good as you thought you were and get them refocused and um, you know kind of lock back in after and refocus their own expectations, which um, fortunately for them is still an ACC title that they could win. Um, and now I think they're going to be um, extra motivated coming off the loss. Um, I mean. We um I forget what the game directly after the Notre game Notre Dame loss for them was um this year. Do you remember? Because um of course that's their only other loss this year. Yeah, I look it up while you you know, they had not played a whole lot of good team period. Um and that's not their fault, by the way. I've said that a million times, but they played the um the Hokies 
of Virginia Tech. Okay, so they bounced back with from that <laughs> loss, given it was against Virginia Tech, um, the the worst team in the ACC, in my opinion. Um, they bounced. I, I, I hope you got a nice win over the Liberty Flames. That was a good. That was a good win for them. I, I was able to watch that game, and um, you know, but it's also Liberty. But um, <laughs> they were able to pull off. Um, after they lost Notre Dame, UNC bounced back and um, held Virginia Tech to ten points, um, and uh, completely shut them down. That's their best defensive performance of the season. If they can get um a similar effort, um, even with all the injuries, I still say um, NC State's offense is. Um, a couple steps above um, Virginia Tech's, I would say. Um, so um, we'll see how they can bounce back against it. I can see your side of it where um, maybe now there's a little bit of a hangover from that loss. You know, I guess it just depends how much they were really buying into um, themselves as um, college football playoff contenders, how much um, confidence was riding with Drake May on his Heisman campaign which I think is also dead now. Um, but we'll see. Um, I think more it, – it's hard to not be focused for a UNC-NC State game, and um, I'm sure all the focus will be on um, getting the guys motivated and ready for that, which shouldn't be difficult for either either program. They were 6-0. Um, Carolina was in game decided by a touchdown or less prior to – last night. Remind you, that's against the schedule that probably if you would have, at one point I did tabulate it for something else I was doing. I was ranking all the Power 5 schedules based on Sagarin ratings, and I think they had the fourth or fifth weakest schedule among Power 5 teams at that time in the Sagarin ratings. And so the fact that they had six of their nine wins against that schedule came by a touchdown or less. I just think the law of averages may have caught up to them a little bit in that Georgia Tech game. You kind of wonder that still a little bit more of the law of average still to come for them to really catch up. That 6-0 and in one touchdown or less games is a highly, highly, highly unusual win-loss record. Uh, yeah, so. for people who haven't, like, watched UNC um, and just see the ranking in the high teens for them, or low teens, I should say, um, they're a lot closer to – Louisville caliber team than they are Clemson, despite what the rankings say. There's a big gap there. Um, so I, I wouldn't count NC State out of next week's game by any means. And I mean, over the next week, we'll talk plenty about that. But um, yeah, I, I still have, give them a fairly decent shot. And um, UNC, they're going to be coastal division. They're coastal division champions, but they're not um, some world beater. All right, before we give out our game balls, we'll kind of give you a tease. Ethan doesn't know I'm doing this, so he's going to have to think on the fly here. But uh, um, name me three guys. This is a teaser for those who are not yet signed up for the website. Three guys NC State fans should be following here in football recruiting. And there's more than three, by the way. There's a lot more than three. But, and in fact, Ethan puts out a list every Wednesday of ranking the players in order of uh, likelihood to come to NC State for those who want to get caught up in a hurry. But maybe three guys that maybe in the next couple of weeks 
you're keeping a close eye on if we get to Thanksgiving in that first weekend of December? Yeah, um, there's a clear number one for me, and it's Calvon McBride. Um, he's a linebacker committed to Vanderbilt. He's been committed there since June. Um, NC State offered um, right before his senior season started. Um, he was interested, um, but wanted to focus on football. So now that his senior season's done, he recently took an official visit to NC State. You can read about that on thewolfpacker.com. We had a long interview with him. Um, and um, we recently put in a recruiting prediction for him to flip to um, NC State, which I expect to happen at some point. Um, he gave me an updated timeline on his when that decision could come. Also, that's available on thewolfpacker.com. Um, and he's definitely, I'd say, the primary guy to watch right now. Um, Kamal Bonner is another linebacker that um, he took an unofficial visit to NC State and is um, planning out an official return at some point in December before signing day. And um, another guy that I'd um, have in there to watch is uh, um, probably Kendrick Raphael, who um, he was committed to Iowa for a while. He um, officially visited NC State in June. Um, he was a four-star running back um, who had an absolutely monster senior season. He had an incredible senior year, um, really, really good back, who um, decommitted from Iowa and has reopened his recruitment. It's been a quiet um recruitment since then but um if he plans to sign in december i think nc state will be very involved there and um we'll ha hopefully have more intel on him in the coming weeks as well yeah. all right game balls i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the spotlight and take the first game ball actually give me a second here to pull up the stats because I, I i done that before we started um Make sure I have the right numbers. Ethan, talk a little bit and stall for me while I pull this up. Well, I can go ahead and give out my first one. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. Um, Drake Thomas. I mean, yeah, I was, okay, I was looking up his stats, but go ahead. <laughs> Drake Thomas had another awesome day. Um, 1.5 tackles for loss, half a sack, four solo tackles, quarterback hurry. I mean, what else can you say about him that hasn't really been said at this point this season? Going into the year, we knew how good this linebacker core was going to be. And um, for me, I was looking to see who would kind of like emerge as like the um, maybe not the best of them, but like the statistical leader. And that, that's been Drake. Um, he's been incredible this year and um, has a very legitimate case for ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And against Louisville was um, constantly disrupting them always in the backfield, good against the run, good on the blitz. And um, I think he was even um, – he was very close to an interception at one point even, um, if he could have scooped it off the ground a little bit. So, you know, he's all-around star for NC State. Continued to play like a star against Louisville. You have anything to add to that? No, no I'll go – I'm going to go a little bit off the board on mine and go with a guy that I know a lot of NC State fans feel like should be playing a whole lot more. Um, this is way off the board. I'm going with uh, redshirt freshman receiver Julian Gray. Because every time he touches the ball, I feel like something decent happened. He, one time he ran the ball, he got seven yards. When it didn't look like there was going to be seven yards there, but he was able to turn the corner. He had a nice crossing route pass that he turned into a big game. He ended up with two catches for 40 yards. I had a 30-plus yard kickoff return once. Um I'm kind of on the fan bandwagon of those who wonder why Julian Gray 
doesn't play more because it gives you some speed and open field abilities that I think are kind of lacking. When you're struggling to move the football on offense, a guy that can turn a seven-yard gain into a 20-yard gain just because he's got the speed to turn a corner or something to that effect. Might be something you want to put on the field, especially against Carolina defense. Right? They, they, they've been known to give up yards. They've been, you know, so um, a little bit off the board for me, but I figure I'd give Julian Gray a – I was going to give it to Drake Thomas, um, but while I was stalling to try to look up his – statistics that was stolen from me. So um lesson learned, nice rookie move on Ethan's part there. Schooled the veteran on the podcast here and took that one away. So all right, we got uh, a lot coming up this week. Um UNC game on Friday. We also have NC State undefeated men's basketball team playing the defending national champions in the Bahamas on Wednesday, noon tip off. ESPN. Um, that'll be followed by games on Thursday and Friday for them as well. And um, probably won't put this podcast up in time, but women's basketball rematch with UConn Sunday afternoon. Congratulations to the women's cross-country team. Uh, read about that on the website. Individual and team national title uh, uh, for the NCAAs yesterday. So, Major props to them as well. So we got a lot coming up, and then just around the corner, it's going to be madness sometime around December. And with that first Monday after conference championship game, whatever that day is, that's going to be madness. And so uh, you're going to want to be glued to the website. There's going to be a lot coming down. Who knows if Twitter will even be alive and functioning at that point, right? So if Twitter's down, then your only source of info is going to be wolfpacker.com so even if twitter is up it still should be will be your number one source of information there so um real quick shout out to our sponsor uh roadshop.com appreciate all their support again a reminder if you have any kind of need for some natural rem- remedies for anxiety or chronic pain or sleep deprivation it's a great resource and to check out check them out at roadshop.com um, Ethan wants to give your Twitter a plug. Yep, you can find me at Ethan M McDowell for now. We'll see how um how long that lasts, but for now, I'm there. <laughs> um, share all the recruiting news there. Links back to the Wolfpacker, and um, you know, just want to say um, if it goes down, the Wolves Den is our um premium um forum where we share all of our recruiting news. It's a good community of NC State fans that's growing every day, and um. It's a place where if, you know, you're an avid follower of NC State Twitter and um, that seems like it's no longer an option for you, Wolves Inn is another place where you can still find that community, still talk to um, a bunch of um, NC State fans that you can either um, agree with or fight with in our forums. And um, it's a good place and you can um, get access to that and all of our premium info only for only $10 until next football season. Also, our main Twitter account at the Wolfpacker, our Facebook account, the Wolfpacker. Um, and again, uh, please rate and review and subscribe and like and whatever you're supposed to do to podcast. I don't know, but whatever you're supposed to do, do it. For Ethan, I'm Matt. We'll see you later in the week. Carolina week coming up.